0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Is Your Brain on Podcasts. This Is Your Brain on Podcasts is brought to you by Froggy Style Productions. You can find Froggy Style Productions on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I'm going to take a few moments here and tell you ways in which you can support the show. The easiest and most direct way in which you can support the show is by donating to it through our Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com slash fsproductions. You can donate as little as $1 per month or as much as you would like. If you do donate the minimum amount of $1 per month, you gain early, unedited, and ad-free access to all podcasts that get released through Froggy Style Productions. There's quite a few podcasts up there. Some podcasts that won't even be released until the summer are already posted on our Patreon page. So if you'd like early access to those, consider throwing a dollar our way. Every dollar does help us grow the show, and it's muchly appreciated. Also, if you are interested in D&D at all, if you donate $3 per month on Patreon, you get access to a bunch of custom D&D content that includes enemies, NPCs, pre-made characters, and also campaigns. So if you're a D&D nerd like me, check out our Patreon page. That's a patreon.com slash fsproductions. I'll have a link in the episode notes, so if you would like to check it out, you can do so, and it's real easy for you. Again, patreon.com slash fsproductions. If you are looking for a freer way to support the show, Uh, The best way to do that is just by sharing the podcast with your friends. Uh, Share it on social media, like and comment, stuff like that. It really helps with visibility, and the more people who know about the show, in theory, the more listeners will have. You can also leave ratings and reviews on your podcast listening app of choice, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it is. If you leave a rating or a review, again, it just helps us with visibility. It helps us break through those evil algorithms and get seen by the most amount of people possible. So if you have the time, uh, if you're in the player right now, like you're obviously you might be because you're listening to this podcast, quickly leave a review. They make it real easy for you. Hit that five star or four star, whatever. Whatever you feel star rating we deserve, hook us up. If you are fans of the show and would like to stay up to date with everything we got going on, consider signing up for our newsletter. You can find the sign-up page at fsproductions.ca the very first thing that you're going to see when you go to the website. You just type in your email, hit subscribe. It takes three seconds, and you are signed up for the newsletter. The newsletter will just keep you up to date with everything that is happening at Froggy Style Productions. It is released on the first Monday of each month. And we'll give you a show release schedule for that month, as well as other useful inter- information regarding the podcast and just stuff that's happening around the city and cool stuff like that. So, fsproductions.ca, consider signing up for the newsletter while you're at the website. Just check it out. There's lots of cool content on there, there's lots of cool supplementary content to the podcasts, there's articles and a podcast recommendation and review page and stuff like that. So fsproductions.ca, check it out. There's also a store, an online store. It sells t-shirts, mugs, stickers, buttons, stuff like that. Again, if you do buy something, it helps support the show, and it helps us support the people in our community on this episode of the podcast i am joined by tiara penner tiara penner is a aspiring painter and swing dance enthusiast and we have a really great conversation you will find i was a little hesitant to do this podcast with tiara at first uh just because Tiara is my significant other. And I've always kind of been... Podcasts that I have listened to, put out by other people, done with their significant others, have always kind of... The person seems to act differently around their significant other than they do other podcast guests, and I didn't want to kind of be pigeonholed into something like that. And as you will find out real quick, uh, this is actually the second recording of the podcast we had to do. And it's not because of anything that Tiara did, but it was the way that I was communicating in the first podcast that I was not happy with. I'm extremely lucky that I get to record these conversations, and as much as I kind of Bitch about it or whatever, about I, how I hate the sound of my own voice. I'm extremely lucky because I get to listen and I have a record of the way that I communicate with people. And that has been extremely beneficial in my life, especially in this instance. And like I said, it was nothing that Tierra did. It was me who was communicating poorly, and that's why we redid this podcast. If you would like to listen to the original podcast, it is up on Patreon, and I will not be removing it from there. Um, but I feel like this podcast went way better. This recording went way better than the previous one, and it really opened up my eyes to the way that I communicate with my significant other. So I really hope that you enjoy this conversation that we had. We talk about the ocean and goal setting and mental health and a bunch of other topics that randomly came up. Yeah. Yeah. So if you'd like to get in touch with Tierra or check out her paintings or something like that, you can do so. She's on Etsy under Del Fuego Arts, all one word, and she's also on Instagram. And all those links are also in the episode notes, so they are easy for you to find. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast, and thank you very much for listening. Yourself. Uh,
1: okay. Hi, I'm Tiera. I'm super excited to be on this podcast. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Nice. Well, I guess we should give a little background information. Because we did record a podcast earlier, mm-hmm. and that one can be found on Patreon, and I'm gonna leave it up on Patreon. So if you would like to check it out, <laughs> you can go ahead. But uh, I personally was not happy with it
1: uh, I got a little frustrated in the middle so. Well
0: no, that's not why Again, that's not why I wasn't happy with it It was the way that I was talking I was not communicating properly And I felt like it needed to be redone Because nobody would have really wanted to listen to that So anyways, this is the redo of it It's fine If you would like to, like I said, listen to the original podcast, it's bad. Well, it's not bad, but it's just not great. (laughs) (laughs) You can do that at Patreon. I'm not going to take it down from Patreon, and this one will be the replacement that gets released to the public. So this is how we are starting.
1: Cool. Sounds good.
0: So you scuba dive. I do. Yeah. So well, what what got you what got you into scuba diving?
1: Um so my older brother scuba dives or he I don't know if he still does but like he did for a long time when I was growing up and he's like 5 years older than me. So when I was like 13 or 14, um uh, we were at this lake and um I had no previous experience scuba diving and my older brother was like, "Hey, why don't you try out scuba diving? We'll just go off the dock. It'll be really great. And so I was like, yeah, cool. And um, for anybody that knows anything about scuba diving, it's like, you kind of got to like regulate your breathing. Otherwise, you just like tear through a tank of air like super fast. So um, I just went around the dock and uh, Craig was there watching me to make sure nothing went wrong. But the whole time I was just exhilarated, so I was, like, (laughs) just, like, looking underneath the water, and I was, like, so excited, but Craig was just, like, he thought something went wrong with the tank, because there was just this constant stream of bubbles, so he, like, pulled me up, he's, like, what's wrong, he, like, checks everything, he's, like, there's nothing wrong, I was, like, oh my god, I was so excited, he's, like, show me how you were breathing, (laughs) and I showed him, and he's, like, oh, okay, so, in other words, this weren't you used a whole tank of air in like 10 minutes yeah <laughs> which is like especially at like five feet that would last you like an hour or more
0: okay <laughs> so, fair well i mean it's it's good that you had that experience in something that was five feet deep instead of the ocean. <laughs> yeah so for
1: sure um and then like i didn't really do it again after that my brother went on and got all these certifications and then um, I was working as a lifeguard in Strathmore and this company would come in and do their in pool training sessions in the Strathmore pool and uh, I was I would be on duty and I'd like watch and like actually um, talk like talk to the instructor when he had a break or whatever and I was like he's like oh actually for lifeguards I offer a discount because you have a lot of the water skills already that I don't have to teach you.
0: Hmm.
1: So I was like, sweet. So I like kind of looked into it a little bit more and was like, yeah, this is something that I really like to do because it's interesting and cool. And like, I like being in the water and under the water and everything else. So I went and I did my certifications and stuff. And yeah, I just, I think it's so cool that you can be underneath the water and breathing. Like, I feel like a mermaid or something.
0: Like a mermaid? Yeah. (laughs) Have you always wanted to be a mermaid or something? Always. I've
1: always wanted to be a
0: mermaid. What is it with females wanting to be mermaids?
1: Uh, they're like these mystical, magical creatures.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, they're almost always represented as, like, a female form. It's one of the only, like, happy, magical creatures that are, like... Purely female. The only other f- purely female creatures I can think of are like gorgons or harpies, and those aren't like happy magical creatures. <laughs> Fair,
0: I mean, because you just you just don't see hear a lot of guys being like, yeah, I want to be a mermaid. Maybe there are they're out there. Maybe I'm being uh behind the times. Let's say I don't know. I think know, it's but... also like the
1: name is like <laughs> mermaid. It is like, yeah, I guess it is. It's very female-centric.
0: Well, yeah, but I guess Mermen, they
1: call them? Yeah.
0: If it's a man?
1: Or, like, that movie. Oh. merman, Papa, merman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: uh, it's this really dumb movie. Ah, oh, the title is gone. He's, like, is, like, set in New York, but he goes back to his, like, coal miner family, and they're, like oh, I'm so disappointed in my son doing these, like, beauty commercials where you're a mermaid, and he's like, Merman, Papa! This is really, (laughs) it's a really, really dumb movie.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's fair. So, did your brother because you mentioned last time that your brother was possibly going to be an underwater welder Mm -hmm. is that why he was doing the scuba diving or is it just something that you kind of always
1: uh he was he got interested in it and then he was like oh wait i can do this as a job Mm -hmm. and like we grew up in the middle of nowhere and like my dad taught us how to weld and everything else so my brother already had these skills, so he's like, oh, this would be an easy transition because I know how to scuba dive and I know how to weld, so it's just like marrying the two basically, right? hmm So he went and did this schooling in Kelowna, and uh, he really, really liked it, but he was kind of like hemming and hawing when the, kind of like the last couple semesters because they started telling them, or maybe he started looking into them. Into, like, the statistics of, like, underwater welders and, like, underwater professions. It's, like, yeah, the, like, age range that you usually live to is, like, right around 30. Like, lots of people don't live past then. You make tons of money up to that point, but... Yeah. So, um... The reason one of the reasons he didn't do it was because of that and then the other one is he told yes, me the
0: ocean is terrifying yeah he is terrifying <laughs> actually <laughs> they told
1: they told this story they brought in this guy who'd worked on a rig out in the middle of the ocean i don't know what they were doing out there but um he said that one of his buddies went down and he was like, a kilometer or so down, back, down where it's, like, pitch black, right? So he had, like, his headlamp, and he had his welding torch, and he was down there welding. And, uh, he felt this just, like, absolutely massive thing swim behind him. And he's like, Mm-mm, nope, not gonna turn around, <laughs> not doing that. And then he, like, got sucked into something, and then, like, spat back out. Yeah. And this guy was, like, nope. And, like, ascended as fast as he could without getting, like, decompression sickness. Um, and then, so they told that story. And, like, other ones of just, like, seeing, like, crazy things. And Craig was, like, nope, I'm I'm out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would, like, the ocean is so fucking terrifying. (laughs) Like, I would never want to do anything in the ocean as a profession, A, but just in general. Like, I went... It was called skooma diving, and what it was is instead of having the air tank on your back, the air tank floats on the surface, and then you just go down with a really long hose, which, in hindsight, actually seems more dangerous, because something could get fucked up with that. Like, it's a rubber hose. Like, it's not like, you know...
1: Yeah, actually...
0: We did it in Mexico, but I...
1: That was actually one of the other reasons that Craig didn't want to do it, because, like, he trusted himself when he had the air on his back, Yeah. He had, like, a backup tank. He knew how to switch them over, everything like that. But a lot of the jobs, especially for underwater welding, require that you are breathing off of a tank that's on the the boat.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And somebody else is in charge of your air supply. Yeah. And uh, Craig just, like, he's like, I don't think I'd ever trust somebody enough for them to be in charge of my air.
0: Yeah, no, super fair. Like I said, like, in hindsight, it... It's easier, obviously, to go... And we're not, we, we didn't go down super far or anything like that, just because it was, like, a touristy thing in Mexico or whatever. I was, like, 14 maybe or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you wouldn't so, go
1: past, like, 40, maybe 60 Yeah, feet.
0: no. And it's, like, you don't, like... It's also a hose, so, like, the, you probably don't <laughs> have a hose that's that long at any time. It is longer. But, like, just like I said, in hindsight, thinking about it, it's, like, that was actually probably way more dangerous than just going down <laughs> with a tank on your back because... Like, something could happen to that hose, and then you're fucked. You're, like, super far down there, right? Yeah. But anyways, like, did that one time, and, like, it was cool experience, but, like, just looking around, and, like, when you're in the middle of the ocean, like, because they took us out on a catamaran, and, like, you do it around these rocks or whatever, but you're in the middle of the fucking ocean, and just looking around and being, like, I could literally be attacked by, from any angle, like, above, below, <laughs> any angle, <laughs> something could attack me from, and I would just be so helpless because I'm just so out of my element. Like, humans are not, like, we are (laughs) semi-designed to be underwater. Like, you know, there's the whole, like, uh, aquatic ape theory or whatever that at some point humans split off uh, from basically dolphins, I think it is. So at, like, one point they were living near shores, like proto-humans were living, like, near the shores, and... Some, some of them moved inland and became what humans are today, and the other ones stuck to the shores and continued to evolve into the water and became dolphins. I think that's what the aquatic ape theory is. But anyways, so we are, like, kind of designed to be in the water. Like, also when you throw a baby in water, it instinctively knows, like, to close its eyes and hold its breath.
1: Actually, um, that's an interesting thing that you learn in lifeguarding. Yeah. Is, um, some people will drown, and they won't have any water in their lungs. Yeah. And it was this crazy phenomenon that for a while people couldn't figure out why that happened. Yeah. And it's because some people never lose that instinct to, like, close up their throat if you're underwater. Yeah. And so you'll drown because you'll lose oxygen, but there won't be any water in your lungs. Well,
0: yeah, and you never take a breath in because, like...
1: And, like, other people have that instinct where it's like, oh, I need to breathe, I'll breathe in no matter where I am. Yeah,
0: but that'll fuck you up even more, because if you do end up getting saved at the last moment, (laughs) and then you have water in your lungs, then you're fucked from that. Because if you have, like, any sort of fluid in your lungs, that's, like, what pneumonia is, I think, is just having fluid in your lungs.
1: Yeah, and that's actually, that's something else that we would tell people, is, like, if we saved some, if so we dragged somebody out of the water, and they had been underwater, even just for, like, a second, right? you like tell them you're like okay listen like you're fine obviously but when you go home for the next 24 hours if you feel like flu-like symptoms if you get a bad chest cough if you like feel like you have fluid in your lungs or sinuses go into the doctor because you can have secondary drowning yeah where you actually like there's people that have been saved out of the water and then drowned later yeah which is this bizarre thing
0: yeah i mean it makes sense because uh The thing you need to breathe shouldn't have fluid in it. That's true. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the ocean, it's fucking terrifying. There's so many big things in it that we know about, like whales and sharks and (laughs) giant squid and shit like that. And then there's so many giant things probably in there that we don't have any fucking clue about.
1: The, like, cool thing, well, I think it's cool, is, like, the giant squid that we've observed, most of them anyway, have been, like babies basically it's not cool (laughs) so like they're even bigger
0: (laughs) yeah well it's just weird to think that i think it's something like two percent of the world's oceans we've explored or something like that yeah
1: but we've explored more of our moon
0: yeah we've explored more (laughs) in space than our own planet and uh a podcast i listen to like one of the they always say like if you saw some of the things that you see in the ocean and you saw that on like in outer space or in another planet you'd be like fucking aliens those are aliens that is exactly what aliens are but you can just go down into the ocean and see those things and we're like oh yeah okay cool but like if you like I said if you just took those exact fucking beings and put them in space it'd be like aliens yeah so it's crazy to think about that kind of
1: well like you've been talking about like the ocean and how little we've explored it there's like these fish and I honestly don't remember what they're called but There's these fish and they've been around forever. They have, like, these weird fin patterns that, like, we know because we found fossils of these exact same fish. And we thought that they were extinct. Yeah. But they were down in this, like, weird area and they found one. And they're like, oh, my God. And it turns out that these fish are alive and exactly the same Mm. as the ones we found fossils of. Yeah. And it's just, like, we just didn't find them because the ocean is so freaking huge
0: yeah well it's like there's like even just uh there's like a whole profession dedicated to that i think is going out and finding extinct animals basically or animals that we thought previously were extinct Mm -hmm. there's a whole profession based around or there's a whole group of people i don't know if it's a profession i think it is anyways uh it's basically dedicated to just finding animals that we thought were extinct and like seeing if they actually are extinct um, because, you know, that, as, as much as humanity does cover a vast swath of the earth, there are still so many places on the earth that are just, like, completely wild and just untouched by humans and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah.
0: And yeah. the ocean's even crazier, because, I mean, like, you look at something like crocodiles or sharks, and they've been around forever. And they're exa- in, in their exact form, you know what I mean? Like, maybe yeah. a little bit bigger, like, in regards to sharks, because there's, like, the megalodons or whatever.
1: Something but, I think is really cool um, with a lot of ocean animals is they basically just keep growing.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, um, there's this crazy big shark, and she's, like, 40 or 20 or 40 feet long. I know that's a huge difference, but either way, it's a stupidly giant giant shark and um they have her on film and you see her swimming past this guy in one of those like shark cages and you're like jesus she could bite right through the bars like she's just crazy big yeah yeah i don't know it's just cool and like lobsters and stuff like there could be like 50 foot lobsters down at the bottom because like (laughs) we'd never see them.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing that's just been around forever is like lobsters and shit like that. It's just, it's crazy. And, and actually to even think about it, like we, at some point we split off from those animals. You know what I mean? Like we split off from lobsters, say maybe a hundred, I don't know about time, but you know, about a billion years ago (laughs) or something or 300 million years ago. I'm not very, I don't know actually anything about actual, evolutionary time and shit like that but it's a really really long time ago and like we still have remnants of like lobster probably behavior in us you know what i mean that's just like so anciently ingrained way in the center of our brains right (laughs) yeah because that's how our brains like kind of evolved was like we have the reptile brain which is like the brain stem Mm -hmm. and then there's i think it's the the like the, uh, the primate brain And that's kind of, like, a little bit bigger. And then it's, like, the human brain. Yeah. Where it's, like, maybe reptile, mammal, human, or something like that. But anyways, there's, like, three stages of the brain that, like, are very distinct and stuff like that. And, like, the reptile brain controls all our, like, base reactions and stuff like that. Uh, Like, our urges and stuff like that. And then, like, the primate brain, it kind of expands on that. And then the human brain basically gives us our, like, higher cognition and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Actually, like, speaking about, like thinking and things like that is um octopus mm-hmm. there's um this theory that's going on well it's more like a conspiracy type thing
0: that octopus are aliens yeah because yeah. they
1: don't share any sort of evolutionary things with almost any animal yeah. on earth like even their eyeballs have like evolved like Crazy, bizarrely, mm-hmm. and it's like they don't match any other evolutionary animal. So like, where did they come from?
0: Yeah.
1: But like, I I love octopus. They're like, they're so freaking smart, and just like the way that they act and react to things is like hilarious. So there was this story about an aquarium, and they had this octopus. And this octopus memorized the guards' walking patterns. Because, mm-hmm. like, the security guards at night. And they couldn't figure out how these exotic fish kept disappearing from their tank. They're like, we ha- like, nobody's come in, nobody's come out. Like, security guards are like, we haven't seen anything. And then they changed, the security guards changed up their pattern. And they, this octopus was getting out of his tank. Going across the aquarium and stealing the fish, eating them, and then going back to his tank. Yeah. And, like, his tank was locked, so they were like, we don't know how this happened.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, but, like, you don't, like, give them enough mental stimulation, Yeah. they'll, they'll, like, just create havoc.
0: Yeah. There's actually, like, there's a couple theories like that. They're not really conspiracy theories, but they are, like, theories that are out there, like, um... I think one of the theories is that just all life basically stemmed from outer space like when the asteroid hit Earth, like the big one that kind of broke off the moon from Earth because the moon used to be a part of Earth and then a big giant asteroid came and split it off in two mm-hmm. um I think one of there's a theory floating around that basically all life came from that asteroid mm-hmm. that there were there was life on that asteroid and basically it got brought over, and when it hit Earth, the bacteria or whatever it was basically kind of uh, permeated onto Earth and evolved from there and stuff like that. There's also theories that mushrooms specifically come from <laughs> outer space and stuff like that. Mushrooms and, are a
1: weird one because, like, they have these, like, undergrowth. or like... Mycelium. Yeah, then like, the mycelium are, like a huge net all over yeah and like they can like send signals through that Mm -hmm. which is crazy that like mushrooms can talk to each other basically yeah
0: and other plants yeah um and actually the the biggest the biggest living organism on earth is actually a mushroom
1: i thought it was an aspen grove
0: yeah it is but it's a mushroom it's like an aspen like it's a mycelium network under an aspen grove
1: oh i thought it was the aspen grove itself because aspen trees all stem from like one root
0: yeah no it's like it's like the mycelium mushroom there's one giant mushroom under this forest basically cool so basically kind of anywhere you dig you're digging at least in this forest you're digging into this like mushroom essentially that lives underground so like yeah the biggest the biggest living organism on earth is like a mushroom and actually what's kind of interesting is that Mushrooms and fungi are actually more closely related to animals than they are to plants. Yeah. Because they breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide, whereas plants, you know, do the opposite.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. There was this researcher that was trying to determine if trees can talk to each other. And she determined that they give off very very faint signals so there is a possibility that trees talk to each other mm. but like in a like that we would never understand
0: Well, no, because they're like more ancient beings than we are really but yeah. uh there are uh studies or whatever of basically plants that they kind of i don't know it's like a signal maybe a chemical signal i think it's or, like
1: a chemical and thing. i
0: think it actually is delivered through like the root systems and the mycelium but mm. like if there is a say, like a caterpillar that is eating the leaves of one tree, yeah. It's like all an this, infestation. Are, well, all the other trees will change the taste of their leaves to make it unappealing to these caterpillars because this one tree is being eaten by like caterpillars yeah. or whatever.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Trees are so cool and so crazy. We like. Or like, yeah, they're just trees and we cut them down and use them for wood and eat their fruits and whatever else, but like the thing that they have like a whole other like side to them that we don't know.
0: Well, and like the thing is is if the goal of life is reproduction, which basically it is, like that's the ultimate goal of life when you break it down to the most basic uh you know, um component is to continue on life, right? Sure. For any species, the most basic thing that it is programmed to do is to continue on the species. Yeah. We don't know why, but, well, because it's better than not living, I guess. (laughs) But so if that's the ultimate goal, then trees are actually doing it like they're tricking us, basically, because that's like they grow these fruits that we like. And so we eat the fruit and shit and like, you know what I mean? So they're actually like almost smarter than we are because like we're taking care of trees. We're like, (laughs) yes, we do cut them down and use them and stuff like that. But we're also very, we're like, we take care of trees, you know? We like help them out a lot. So they're almost like smarter than we are.
1: Yeah, actually, um, there was this funny tweet or Twitter post or something that I read. And it was like, so if you really think about it, we're not farming trees. Trees are farming us, because they live longer than we do. Yeah. And when we die, they use us to create more of them. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a funny thing.
0: Yeah. I've actually thought about that in regards to mushrooms before, is, like, mushrooms grow on dead things, and some mushrooms are poisonous, so, like, if you eat a mushroom and you die, more mushrooms grow on top of you. So like mushrooms are almost like in a way like trying to trap us and like hunt us and like create more mushrooms by like killing us in a way, which is kind of crazy to think about.
1: They're the true farmers.
0: Yeah. And actually there is this book, I think it was was it Sapiens? I think it was Sapiens, yeah, where the the author of that book, Yo Johan, no no Val Harari, that's a real hard name to say. Um, anyway, he makes the case that um, wheat, I, I we've talked about it on this podcast before, but wheat is actually uh, far more evolutionary, evolutionarily advanced than we are because wheat came before us and we take care of wheat. And we basically propagated wheat across the entire world you know it's like one of the biggest crops that are grown that's grown across the entire world because it makes bread right yeah so we've spread wheat across the entire world we take care of it we make sure that it has a place to grow and stuff and yes we like but so basically who's who's winning in that point you know what i mean like we're taking (laughs) care of wheat we're making sure that wheat. we're propagating the species of wheat whereas it's just kind of interesting to think about it's like kind of an interesting thought experiment
1: yeah Yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah. Oh, we talked about this on the last podcast, but, like, I love when thought experiments become real experiments, Mm -hmm. so, like, theoretical science becoming real science, so the example I'm thinking of is there was this thought experiment that existed for a long time where you would, it was, um, if a blind person holds an object... And, like, can feel it and touch it and whatever else, Mm -hmm. can they identify that same object when they get their sight back? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was lots of, like, yes, no, because this, because that, whatever. So, science, (laughs) I don't know how, but they got these blind people and they got these objects and then they gave these blind people, these blind from birth or blind for many, many years people, they gave them their sight back through, like, science. I don't know how. <laughs> and these people could not identify which objects that they had previously felt. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know. I just love it when theoretical science becomes real science. I mean,
0: that's basically the whole point of science, right? Is to come up with some sort of theory and then to test that theory. That's yeah. what science is. <laughs> but there was just so many
1: years that like they couldn't possibly test this theory.
0: Yeah. But I mean, like, with the evolution of technology and stuff like that. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's what science is, is you come up with an idea, and you're like, I wonder if this... And then you test it, and yeah. you try and replicate it as many times as possible successfully, and you then you get it peer-reviewed, and then eventually it becomes a thing, you know?
1: Yeah, the bureaucracy, bureaucracy of science.
0: Yeah, no, but, like, the, the thing is, is that science is a bureaucracy, right? Because lots of the stuff that gets funding is the stuff that, you know, is paid for by big corporations or stuff like that. So they're looking for an outcome. Yeah. And they're funding it so you can test this outcome. So that's why a lot of science, and I think a lot of people don't trust science sometimes, is because... um, Of where the funding comes from, basically. Like, they're looking for an outcome and they're basically using these scientists to somehow prove that outcome, but maybe not in the most, like, ethical science way, you know? Yeah,
1: they're like, hey, we want this outcome. Make an experiment that proves this outcome.
0: Kind of, yeah.
1: Instead of being like, hey, here's an experiment.
0: Let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly.
1: They're, like, working backwards.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is, it's unfortunate because, like, you know... Uh, but that that's just where the, the funding comes from, right? Is like, yeah. and you need money to do science. And unfortunately, the people with the most amount of money are these giant corporations and stuff like that, so.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know.
1: Which is unfortunate, but it's yeah. the way the world works, I guess.
0: It is the way the world works, yes. But, I mean, there is obviously real science that goes on out there, too.
1: Yeah, o- obviously. Yeah. Yeah, there's been, like, this, um, the HIV virus, there's been, like, a cure that's been found, like, not just once, but, like, multiple times, Mm. that, like, the corporations will buy up and, like, nobody will ever hear about it again.
0: Yeah, well, it's the same with, the same thing happened with... Like the electric car, or the, the how many times have we heard that there's a cure for cancer, or there's a cure for this, or whatever. Yeah. And
1: then... Well, because they the pharmaceutical companies make so much more money on sick people than they do curing one person once.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. They, they way, make way more money on sick people, and it's the same, like, there's a whole documentary on the electric car thing, it was like, who killed the electric car, or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: And, like... The, the whole thing about it is like, you know, they had electric car technology back in the 90s and then these auto corporations and stuff just basically bought up all the patents for it and they never just sat on it and never released it mm-hmm. because, or, you know, oil and gas and fossil fuel extractors, they make so much money from that that,
1: yeah.
0: like, what well, they don't want electric cars and stuff like that, which is kind of crazy to think about, especially with all the data suggesting that, you know, fossil fuels and stuff like that are like, Basically causing global warming.
1: Yeah, and, like, that's another thing. It's, like, my dad and I actually had this argument. It's, like, okay, Alberta is, like, this huge fossil fuel oil producer. But we don't use most of our oil. We, like, ship it off somewhere else.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's, like, a whole other thing. But, like, in, like, my children's... Lives, there's gonna be huge catastrophes. There already is huge catastrophes. Yeah. is on fire. Icebergs are melting, which is like approved. What'd I say? Icebergs. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um. Those like these huge things are happening that we have evidence and like empirical data for. Yeah. And people are still like, that's not happening.
0: Well, like the thing is, is that. Like, 97% of scientists or something agree that global warming is happening. It's just whether or not it's... Like, the world always goes through cooling and warming periods, right? So the real question is, are humans really affecting that natural cycle? And, like, I I believe we are. I'm not, like, arguing against global warming. I'm just taking the other side because that's what I do.
1: No, and I think that, like, it's true. And, like, a lot of the, the, like... Um, evidence and theories and whatever else says that like humans were basically born into this world right after the last ice age so the world's been slowly warming up since then yeah but like i think that we are like pushing it way faster than it was ever supposed to be going
0: it's possible yeah but like i mean also we just understand so little about actual climate like, we understand kind of weather, but climate's a whole different thing. Climate's, like, the big long-term thing of weather, and, like...
1: Well, like, you can read it in the rocks.
0: Yeah, but, like, everything is so interconnected. Like, like for example, I think it was a volcano erupted sometimes, in, sometime in the Dark Ages, and that caused basically a mini Ice Age. It, it caused a period of cooling that was basically a mini ice age in, like, the medieval periods because of one volcano erupting in one spot, it affected the whole world globally. Like, there's yeah. shit like that that, like, uh, we just, like, don't really fully understand yet, you know? Like, we de- we have really good grasps on things, and we have, like, really good ideas and theories, but it's just, like, it's so complicated because everything is so interconnected, and it's crazy to think about how interconnected everything is on this planet.
1: Yeah, and even, like... The whole thing of, like, Pangea or Pangaea, where, like, the whole world at one point was one continent and we, like, split off, mm-hmm. right? Like, that was probably a climate change and a thing. But with, like, the way that we're heating up the world and the way that the ice caps and stuff are melting, like, part of our landmass is going to be underwater in I the am. next 10 years, 100%. Yeah, for sure. And, like, whether or not... That's like part of the cycle or not, it still affects millions, if not billions of people.
0: yeah, there most people live on the coast because
1: it's more mild weather,
0: well, yeah, and also just like that's you know that's where people have typically lived just because you know shipping and it's a good source of food and yeah, so you establish a settlement on the coast because like it's just a solid place to live. uh the problem with that is obviously hurricanes, typhoons shit like that but um yeah no like uh new york is actually below sea level so like yeah
1: so it's it lots, of the, of the, lots of points in europe are too yeah
0: like one of the biggest cities probably one of the most famous cities in the world is pretty fucked honestly <laughs> like yeah and like there's not much we can do to reverse the damage that's already been caused like unless we come up with some new technology or something Ooh, which,
1: actually sorry talking bad. about reversing damage I saw this super cool article article that I read the other day, and it was, this is over the period of, like, 20 years, but it shows that climate, or not climate, but, like, environmental stuff can be reversed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not even, like, it's not even difficult, well, um, you know, depending on who you are, I guess, but this person lived in this area in South America, and they left for a couple of years, 10 years or whatever. And they came back and this area had been like deforested and like the animals were gone and like the rivers and the streams and stuff that, f- that like went through that area were like dried up or like polluted. And this person was just so upset. So him and his wife started this and like they got a bunch of volunteers and stuff, but basically they started replanting the like native plants and trees and stuff in that area and like 10 or 20 years later now there's endangered species that are thriving there there's like more water in this one area than there has been and like the streams pop back up and there's like uh, springs that like reopened yeah but because they like started replanting stuff and like there's animals that came in that they thought were like extirpated but like once this forest started growing, this like, there's, like, this crazy amazing environment now. Yeah. And it didn't take them very long. It took them, like, ten years. And I was, like, two to twenty people doing that.
0: Yeah. But, like, stuff like that is cool and it's very, like, hopeful and stuff. But, like, the problem, like, with global warming is, like, the carbon that's in the atmosphere. And... No,
1: I know that, but I'm talking about, like, the way that we've just, like, destroyed environments. Yeah. Like not even talking about like global warming at this point, but just like the environments that we've absolutely decimated, yeah, can be brought back.
0: Yeah, well, like I, I, I don't know. Like, see, hearing something like that, it just doesn't seem very surprising to me. It just, it's kind of like, well, yeah, like you just have to work at it, you know. You instead of destroying the environment, you work to build, building it. That just like almost seems obvious to me. Do you but know like what I nobody mean? does that. Well, some people do it. Yeah. Like, like look at about all the people who go out there and plant trees and stuff like that. Like...
1: Right. But, like, a lot of times. So, my dad is a logger and he's been in the forest industry for like over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And they will go out and they will like just cut down an entire section. Yeah. And then they'll get that replanted. Yeah. And then they'll move all over and cut down that section. And that will continue for like 10 years where they'll just go to different sections and cut down those trees. And then when they replant them, they're just replanting them to cut them down again. Not yeah. so that the environment is helped.
0: Yeah, okay. But that's actually pretty good practice, I would say. Like... Oh, it's, it's a good <laughs> Jesus, cat, <laughs> That was the most ungraceful thing <laughs> that I have ever experienced.
1: Yeah, it's just... To like to just like have that like drive where like for like for two people and like some volunteers to like bring back like a hundred acres of forest and like wildlife and stuff, that's an incra crazy amazing feat to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree.
1: And like people are like, Oh no, this place is destroyed, like the animals are gone, they're extirpated, they're not going to come back. Mm. But, like, just, like, reading the story is, like, well, actually, now these, like, endangered species are thriving and, like, animals have come back into the area that they thought were extirpated and stuff like that. it's just, like, I don't know, it's just, like, this really cool story of what, like, two people can start.
0: Yeah. The, The real problem with all of this is that to care about the environment... You have to be happy. (laughs) Like, you have to be so okay with yourself and secure in your own beliefs and just happy that you can now care about something other than yourself. Because, like, I've experienced it myself, is, like, when I am in a good place, I'm more prone to recycle. I'm more prone to composting and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'm more prone to make the decision... And you all like financial security is plays a role in that too, right? Like oh, totally. I, if I have the extra money, like I'm willing to spend it on things that are more sustainable because more, su- unfortunately, more sustainable things usually cost a little bit more
1: because the companies that make them aren't constantly selling them.
0: Exactly. Well, like that's the thing, and like so you like unfortunately to be an environmentalist or to like be just conscious about the environment, you have to be happy. Like, and it's just so, (laughs) like, there's so many people out there that just aren't happy and they don't give a fuck about the environment because they are so caught up in their own lives and, like, what's happening in their lives and they're probably miserable and they're just trying to get by. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to care about anything else when you're stuck in a cycle like that.
1: Yeah, and actually, like, talking about that is, like, January is one of the, like, highest months percentages for suicides
0: yeah
1: and um it's just like people just like aren't satisfied after the holidays they're upset in their jobs especially in Canada like we don't get enough sunlight in January Mm. because like the darkest day of the year is like somewhere at the end of
0: December, December 21st. Nice. <laughs> it's the winter solstice. i sl- like, I can't
1: remember. It's like December 19th, December 20th. It's always
0: the 21st. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, summer solstice is June 21st. Winter solstice is December
1: 21st. Sure. Okay. So, the darkest day of the year is like the end of December. But at that point, then there's like Christmas and family and these things happening. But mm-hmm. then after all that's gone and all of that, like merriment merriment and like the time off of work and the time spent with like friends or family or co-workers even is gone mm-hmm. and you're back to the regular old grind in january then yeah. lots of people get like even more depressed if they were before or they like start to feel really down on themselves and especially like in our culture with all of these like new year's resolutions it's like lots of people make new year's resolutions that are just like nearly impossible to keep and yeah. then they break them. And then they're really down on themselves.
0: Yeah. I I, I suspect that the third Monday in January is called Blue Monday. Because that's when most people give up on their New Year's resolutions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably.
0: That's why instead of like making a New Year's resolution or whatever, um, personally, I set goals that I would like to accomplish in the year. And they're quantitative goals What you are
1: know? what are some of your goals
0: well it's like stuff like so like this year i would like to volunteer like 48 hours of my time to something that you know i don't know whether just volunteer like at a music festival or just helping something in a non-profit way i guess so i would like to volunteer like 48 hours of my time i would like to um just keep up with the podcast schedules that I've set for <laughs> myself, and that's uh, a whole other thing, but um, climb 10 summits, summit 10 mountains, stuff like that. Read 15 books. It's quantitative things that I can, like, track the progress on. Yeah. And, like, honestly, I've had some of these goals for the past, like, three years. Like, uh, I've had the goal to read 15 books in a year for the past two years, and I haven't met that goal. You know, last year I got real close. I read 14. Nice. But for some reason, I just couldn't get that. I, I, I think it's like this weird mental thing that, like, I almost didn't want to accomplish the goal or something. Cause, like, I totally could have.
1: Yeah, you're right. I that could that have totally
0: book. got that 15th book in, but I, like, didn't for some reason. So, like,. I'm really gonna try and push myself to like get fifteen books in this year, and like I've same with the mountains, like summiting ten mountains. Like I've had did that we goal. Do like
1: eight mountains last year. We did like
0: four last year, but <laughs> no,
1: we didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did. We didn't do that much. Um, but the year before that, I did nine.
1: Yeah.
0: And again, I was like so close, and if, I could have probably just like gone out there and did it and got that tenth one, but for some reason I didn't. So like that, it's been a goal of mine for the past like three years, and. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting, like...
1: Do you, do you feel like at the end of the year, when you've gotten so close, but like you haven't achieved it, do you feel like really down?
0: No. I don't. I honestly don't. I think it's like, it's almost just like more of a challenge, like, okay, this year I'm going to do it. And like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a way for me to track progress and like where I'm at in my life and stuff. Like, I think
1: that that's a really healthy way of looking at it, which is why I asked you that. Yeah. Because I know, personally, if I set a goal and I don't reach it, I'm, like, immediately, like, why didn't I do this? And I start self-analyzing, and I, like, really get into it, and I'm, like, oh, my God, why didn't I finish this? Like, I was so close. But that,
0: like, the thing is, is that if you set a goal and you don't reach it, then you do self-analyze. That's healthy, because you obviously have this thing that you want to do, and if you weren't able to accomplish it, you should look at why you weren't able to accomplish it and what's holding you back and what you need to do to accomplish that goal.
1: I think that the the part that's unhealthy is that I get really down on myself after that. It's like, oh man, I'm just like I'm just a piece of crap. Oh man, I didn't do that, so like I'm not worth anything.
0: The, the way you talk to yourself is uh, definitely important, and you shouldn't view it as like, oh, I'm worthless because I didn't accomplish this goal. But you should think of it like, why didn't I accomplish this goal? What's holding me back from accomplishing this goal? Like. What can I do to accomplish this goal in the future? That's fair. That's a healthy way to look at it.
1: Yeah. Definitely. The,
0: the, the self-talk, we don't realize, I think a lot of people don't realize, affects our mental state. So if you're always like, oh, I'm just a big piece of crap, haha, ha, even if you think you're joking about it, you're not.
1: Yeah, I read this thing, it was like, um, even when you're like joking around you're bringing yourself down yeah and it's a big thing that like a lot of people that on like tumblr that i follow they talk about this a lot is like when you talk when you do self-talk and you talk to yourself about yourself
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and you say things like oh you're worthless because you didn't do this Mm -hmm. would you ever say that to anybody else in your life probably not no so why are you saying it to yourself
0: yeah Uh, There's actually, uh, there's a really good book out there. I know a lot of people don't like Jordan Peterson, but he wrote a really good book that's called 12 Rules for Life, and one of the rules or whatever in there is uh, treat yourself, it's like treat yourself like you would treat someone you're responsible for caring for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because lots of people were... Our own worst critics and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. We do have that negative self-talk and stuff like that. And it's just... But we wouldn't... Or even just treat yourself like you would treat your fucking pet. Or like
1: your best friend. Or your partner (laughs) or anything. We're so
0: nice to like things that we are responsible for caring for. Yeah. But we treat ourselves like crap. Yeah. that's why like I used to like have... Like, obviously, there's, like, a healthy amount of self-deprecating humor, and there's an unhealthy amount. Like, it's okay to, you know, have some sort of self-deprecating humor. Like, sometimes it's funny or whatever. But, like, I used to just be so self-deprecating, and it's something that I actually noticed has kind of changed in my life, is, like, I don't do that as much anymore. Like, obviously, sometimes, like, I just... Most of the times I say things because I think they're going to be funny, so... I don't actually believe in it, so sometimes, like, I'll throw something self-deprecating out there, and I just said it because, like, I know it's not true, but I think it's going to be funny. Um, but like, what my really good friend Josh, who's been on the podcast before. Anytime anybody has any sort of self-deprecating stuff, he's like, he kind of, like, calls you out on it and, like...
1: Yeah, he totally does. Yeah. He's like, no.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, because Josh is, like, one of the nicest people in the entire world. Like, so, so nice. And, like, he's right, honestly. Like, you know, the way you talk to yourself is going to frame the way you think about yourself and it's going to frame your actions. and Yeah. You're going to do things or not do things based on the way that you're talking to yourself and whether you think you are worthy of those things you know Mm
1: -hmm. yeah definitely
0: yeah it's also like something that I used to do is I used to apologize for everything everything like everything was always my fault I'd be like oh sorry oh sorry that's something that I changed about my life too is just like because it's not like when you go through life like that being like apologizing for everything because you think it's your fault it affects you because it's not your fault don't apologize for shit unless you have done something wrong Don't apologize.
1: Something that I read and I tried to do in my life, um, talking about like the sorry stuff is, um, instead of apologizing, Mm -hmm. um, tell the person that you appreciate them. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: like, if I made you wait for me for like 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever, I was late. Mm. Instead of coming in and being like oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I was late, I'm such a piece of crap, or whatever, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Be coming in and being like, I'm, I've, I'm so happy that you waited for me, like, I appreciate your patience. Yeah. And it creates such a different tone mm-hmm. immediately. hmm So it's something I've been trying to do.
0: Well, it's like, the thing is, it's like, when you do stuff like that, like, because just so many interactions that you have with other humans are just so subconscious and, like, not really in the forefront of your brain but they affect the way that the whole interaction is going to play out. You know what I mean? Um, Which is crazy to think. Like, most of the stuff we do, we're barely even thinking about. And it's just ingrained in our brains from habit and genetics and stuff like that. But we're barely even conscious of what we are doing as, like, human beings. And we think we're these, like, conscious beings, but, like we're barely in control of what we're doing. We're barely in control of what we're doing. We're just reacting to the fucking environment. And like, sometimes like how many times have you been doing something and in your mind you're like, I shouldn't be doing this.
1: Oh, all the time. But you
0: still do it. I bite my nails and I'm like,
1: (laughs) why am I biting my nails? Like I hate doing this. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's just like, it's like these patterns that just get ingrained into your brain. And it's so like, it takes so much mental energy to break habits, which is crazy because, like, you know it's wrong. You know you shouldn't be doing it, but you do it anyway. And even as you're doing it, you think about how you shouldn't be doing this. And it's like, who's actually in fucking control here? Like, what is... <laughs> w- what are we? Like, what... Uh, yeah. It's just a crazy thing to think about. Are you climbing on me again?
1: <laughs> just going after your laptop. Why? Stop it. Um, talking about, like, habits and also about, like, um, language. Um, uh, in high school, I I read this thing and my mom and me talked about it. It was like when somebody says something negative to you, especially like in high school, people are assholes. Mm. So like in, in high school, if somebody was to tell you you're ugly, mm-hmm. it would take three to five people or times of somebody telling you that you're pretty before it would like balance it out. Mm-hmm. So cuz like negative things in our life take up so much more space in our brains.
0: Yep. Well, I, like honestly, it's it's like an evolutionary thing, right? Is because we're constantly trying to be the best forms, life forms that we can be, <laughs> right? So that one negative comment is obviously going to stick in your brain a lot more because you're like that's an area where I need to improve, whereas yeah. like if people just come like compliments I don't even know how to take compliments most of the time. And, like, most of the time you're like, oh, cool. They do make you feel good, obviously, and worthy. But, like, that one negative thing that anybody says will, like, get you way more wrapped up in it than any compliment that anybody Mm -hmm. will give you.
1: Totally. And that's, like, something my mom did for me when I was in high school is, like, um, if I ever, like, had, like, negative talk about myself or, like, I said, hey, like, this happened at school... Um, like the one time I was like, this person said I wasn't very pretty. Um, and then the next day I woke up and there was like notes all over my bathroom telling me how pretty I am, what she liked about me, all of the like awesome things about me. And I was just like, it was so impactful that like now when I go throughout life is just like, I constantly think like, okay, like what is something I can do? that's going to have a positive impact on people. Because, mm. like, even at, like, malls or shopping centers or whatever, like, my friends get embarrassed sometimes because I'll, like, see somebody's shoes or jacket or hairstyle or whatever and be like, oh, my gosh, that is such a pretty jacket. Mm. And the person is usually, like, really taken aback and it's like, oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, the amount of times where I've gotten, like this crazy story about how they got this piece of clothing. Yeah. Or, like, how they didn't know if they should wear this piece of clothing, but then they did, and, like, my one comment made their day.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, like, because, like, you go out into public places like that, and you constantly feel like everybody's judging you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though most people probably don't give a fuck, like...
1: <laughs> like, just
0: based on going through life, like, I can only base it off of my own experience, obviously, but just, like knowing how I go through life, I'm barely paying attention to anything that's going on around me, you know? Like, you are, but you aren't. Like, because you're so wrapped up in your own world. Yeah. But, like, like, that one compliment or that one nice thing that somebody says to you could completely change around that person's day, right?
1: And, yeah, and it has, actually, which is this crazy thing. And, like, I do it because I genuinely like the piece of clothing they're wearing and sometimes I'm wondering where they got it. Yeah. But this one lady, uh, we were on the escalator and I complimented her shoes and she told me where she got them and how she like really likes wearing them and stuff and then like I was in a mall and like later she ran into me and she like she's like, hey your comment completely changed my day, like I was having a really bad day Mm. and all I've been able to think up is how nice that comment was and like from a complete random stranger too Mm. and I was like, oh well like you're welcome I guess but like I really do just like your shoes like yeah. I didn't do it for any other reason but like I'm really happy it made your day mm. and like just to think that like that nice thing that you say you do for somebody you're like opening the door or like carrying groceries out for like an old person or whatever it's nice like
0: smiling
1: yeah if you look, somebody looks at you and you're like grumpy as all out like it's way more pleasant to like look at somebody and have them be like oh hey and smile yeah and, like that could be the difference in their day
0: mm-hmm. well no totally and like that's why we all just need to practice being nicer to people and that's kind of like what karma is the way that i understand it at least like a lot of people think i've talked about it on this podcast before but a lot of people think that karma is like you know you kind of like You do good things, so good things are going to happen to you. Or you do bad things, so bad things are going to happen to you. But what karma more is, is you do nice things for people. You compliment people. You smile at people. You just be a genuinely good person in the world. And that is going to propagate outwards because... Yeah. That compliment that you gave to that person is going to change their mind state. It is going to put them in a better mood. Maybe they'll compliment somebody. And then that is going to have an effect on that person. It's going to put them in a better mood. And yeah, that's like, going to propagate outwards. It,
1: like, promotes kindness out in the world. Yeah. That might eventually come back and affect you.
0: Yes, but, like, just because, like, being nice to people puts people in a good mood and they are then more likely to be nice to other people and the opposite is true. If you're a dick to somebody and you, you know, you're an asshole, it's going to put that person in a negative mood and they are more likely to say, go home and be an asshole to their family because you were an asshole to them or whatever and it it prop like, that's what karma kind of is, you know? Do good things, be nice to people because it just propagates goodness in the world.
1: Yeah. I think that's like a huge thing of like, What I personally live for is to, like, be kind to people Mm -hmm. and do good things. It's like, um, I was a Christian for a lot of my life, Mm -hmm. and, um, I just, like, it just suddenly just didn't make sense to me anymore. Yeah. Like, the Bible and stuff, like, there's a lot of good things in it, but, like, for a lot of it, it just didn't make sense. But the, like, one thing I still consistently do is like i think that it's very important to go through life being kind to people Hmm. whether or not that gets me into heaven or puts me in hell is irregardless like i think that it's important to be kind to people just to be kind to them
0: well yeah it's like it doesn't there shouldn't you shouldn't be living your life
1: for like some reward
0: for some reward (laughs) that happens after you die (laughs) Especially if it's affecting the way that you live your life in a negative way or whatever. Like, live this life. You're in this life right now. Mm-hmm. We, nobody knows what happens when you die. And nobody can know. Because you have to die. (laughs) And, like, people have theories, like, they've been dead and been brought back or whatever, but, like... Then,
1: are you... Did you really die Exactly.
0: (laughs) No, you didn't. You didn't actually die. You could be claimed to be dead, and your heart, say, stopped for five minutes, and you were technically dead on the table, but I think that your body is just going through, like, there's so many, like, chemical dumps that happen in your brain Mm -hmm. when you die that, like, there's dimethyltryptamine, DMT... Is a chemical that is the most potent psychedelic found in the world, and it occurs naturally in our bodies. And I think it happens. It floods when you are born, and it floods when you are die. When you die, it floods your brain. So the theory, at least, is is that this psychedelic compound that is naturally found in our bodies is some sort of transition, transition, transis, transitory. wow that was hard to say and i didn't even say it right anyways it's some sort of like transition chemical you know that like kind of helps the passage of whatever the next stage in life may be or whatever Mm. and so like i think a lot of things when people are having like those after death experiences it's just you're getting this giant psychedelic chemical dump (laughs) that is kind of affecting the way you see it right so we nobody really knows what happens When you die, so you should really just try and make this life—the one that you are currently living in—the best life that you can possibly have. Yeah. And don't live it based on some reward system that happens after you die.
1: And also, like, unless that's
0: the only—sorry, unless that's the only way that you're gonna be a good person, then definitely (laughs) live your life that way.
1: But like, also, you shouldn't live your life according to other people either. No. Which is what a lot of people do is like oh, I want to do this because I was told it was the right thing or I was told this is the best path for me. It's yeah. like, dude, just live your life. Yeah. If you're not happy doing what you're doing, don't fucking do it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> because the, the the reality of things is is that life is quite short, it's quite fragile,
1: mm-hmm. and it
0: could end at any time.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: So, honestly, you should just do the things that make you happy. Um because you never know when it's going to end. And just so just do the things. Go for the things. Do the things that make you happy. Take that trip. Snowboard. Whatever it is. Whatever the things that make you happy, do those things. And try to be nice to people. like.
1: And, like, talking about, like, doing things that make you happy is, like, try new things.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Because, like, I didn't know... Last year, at this time, that drawing and painting made me happy. Yeah. Until I started doing it. And now it's one of the activities that I most look forward to is, like, drawing or painting or creating things. Yeah. It's, like, this huge part of my life now that wasn't a part at all a year ago.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Honestly, it's the same with podcasting for me. Is When I started podcasting, like, three or four years ago now, like, I would have never thought that that like I was a fan of podcasts I listened to a lot of podcasts but I was like a fucking socially awkward introvert (laughs) that just I don't know like podcasting has changed me in such a way because like now I'm just better at having conversations with people and I didn't know that that's like something that I would enjoy so much is inviting strangers, for the most part, into my house to have conversations with them. I never knew that I would find so much joy in that and that it would become such a huge part of my life. Like, the amount of times where I've left podcasts and I've just been, like, almost on the verge of, like, a rapturous experience has been countless. And it's just really interesting that... I found that in something that I wasn't very good at even and was terrified to do.
1: Yeah. Which
0: was just having conversations with people.
1: Yeah, that's really cool, though. And, like, I think that's why it's important to, like, constantly be trying new things and, like, figuring out what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Because what makes your friends happy, what makes your parents happy, what makes your siblings or your significant other happy might not make you happy. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's totally okay. Mm. You need to figure out what it is that you're going to look forward to after work. Mm -hmm. That you're going to want to do with your free time.
0: Yeah. Or do for work. Yeah. For that matter. Yeah. I mean, not everybody can have their ideal job. Like, I don't have my ideal job. I have a day job and stuff. But Mm -hmm. at least it's not terrible. I don't hate going to work every day. So that's at least something. And it provides the lifestyle that I would like to live. Yeah, and it allows me to do this thing that I find very fulfilling in my spare time. Actually, a couple of things that I find very fulfilling in my spare time. It allows me to podcast, it allows me to snowboard, and it allows me to travel. And those things that it allows me to do more than make up for it not being my ideal job. Do you yeah. know what I mean?
1: No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The the job I have is the first job I've ever had where I have enough time and money. To do the things I want to do. Mm -hmm. Because previously in life, I either worked my ass off and had enough money, but no time or energy. Or I had a part-time job and like didn't have any money to do anything. Mm -hmm. So this job isn't my ideal job, and it's not a forever job, but it allows me to do a lot more than I've ever been able to. Yeah.
0: Just finding finding something like that is... uh, the, the, The balance between... Like, work-life balance is, like, a real thing, you know? Like, my brother, for example, was recently looking for jobs, and he had two offers, and one of the jobs required him to basically be on call 24 hours a day. and uh, It paid him more money, but then he would have to be on call 24 hours a day, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I don't mind putting in some extra time at my job if I have to. Yeah,
1: definitely. But when I
0: leave my job... I'm I'm done you know I'm not thinking about it like I get home and I'm like whatever like I could have a shitty day at work but as soon as I get home it's just like I'm home now like awesome like I forget about it I don't think about it because it doesn't need to be thought about once I'm not there you know and having to think about my job like if I was on call 24 hours a day I I would be miserable
1: yeah no for sure definitely not for me yeah but your brother also seems really happy with the job that he took.
0: Well, yeah, cuz he didn't take the one where he was on call 24 hours a day. No, he I took know, the one that like, paid him a little bit less money, but he knew he would be happier at.
1: When I met your brother, he didn't work. He was looking for a job. Mm. And the difference in like his outlook on life. Actually, when
0: you met him, he had a job. He quit his job after his wedding.
1: Oh, well, I barely met him before his wedding. Okay. Anyways, um the difference in his, like, outlook on life and, like, how happy he is and stuff is, like, insane. Like, he's so much happier yeah. having something that he likes doing.
0: Yeah. Definitely. That's something that he's always struggled with, honestly, is finding that job that he actually enjoys. Yeah. So, it's good that he found that.
1: It is. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think everybody needs that. Well,
0: yeah. Just something... It's not even... Like I said, it doesn't have to be your ideal job or... Something that you would enjoy doing, but it just, as long as it's not terrible and you don't hate going to work every day. Yeah. And not everybody's going to be lucky. Like, you know, we're, it's, we're living in somewhat of a recession right now. Like Calgary has the highest unemployment rate in Canada right now. I
1: didn't know
0: that. Yeah. We have the highest unemployment rate in Canada. And honestly, uh, what the most, the highest percentage, like the group that is most affected by that right now is males that are under 25. Wow. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's hard out there right now. So you might not, just to survive, you might not be able to even have a job that you don't hate, which is unfortunate, but.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why it's even more important to have those things in your life that you love. Yeah. That you enjoy doing.
0: Yeah. It is. Because it, it gives you perspective, at least. Yeah. So.
1: Makes you not hate your life. hmm <laughs>
0: That's, that's definitely something, so. Yep. Yes, indeed. So you started an Etsy page.
1: Yeah, so over Christmas, I gave away some of my paintings. And through doing that, got a couple of commissions. And those people told me that I should start an Etsy shop because people would pay me for my work, which I laughed at. But they kept telling me this, so I started an Etsy shop.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, there's only four things on there right now, but...
0: Yeah, but it provides the exact... Why don't you tell people wh- how to find you?
1: Yeah, okay, so on Etsy, it's Del Fuego Art. So, like, D-E-L-F-U-E-G-O. Cody will post all the links and stuff.
0: In the episode notes, I will, because I'm amazing.
1: Yeah, he is. So... Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was a difficult decision, which it shouldn't have been, to start the shop, because, like, I, like, probably most everybody, I'm afraid of failure. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) So
1: I didn't want to just start a shop and then be overwhelmed and just fail. Mm -hmm.
0: That's why probably the majority of people don't do things is because they're afraid to fail at it.
1: Yeah, but I had so many people, and, like, uh, I have people asking for commissions. So I was like, hey, might as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, hey, like I said, like... Most people out there, they don't even try because they don't want to fail. Yeah. So oh. they don't even take that step.
1: And if you like my shop, you should leave a smashing review.
0: You can review things on Etsy. Yeah. Oh, nice. I have honestly i have no idea how etsy actually works so
1: i'm learning
0: (laughs) that's fair cool well i think that this conversation was much more productive than the last one and more enjoyable both to take part in and i think it'll be more enjoyable to listen to as well Mm -hmm. so thank you very much for being on the
1: podcast thank you for having me it was fun both times were fun
0: like i said i'll have all the links if people want to connect with you or check out your art on your etsy shop those links will be in the episode notes so sweet cool if you liked this episode of the podcast why not leave a review you can find us on itunes stitcher and google play For up-to-date information on the podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us at Froggy Style Productions. That's Frog, the letter E, Style Productions. For more ways to support the show, visit fsproductions.ca.